today, tonight, and this morning, all day, we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Love you. Now, the message today uh, is entitled, How to React in a World Gone Bad. Okay, how, how, you could say it this way, too. How to react in a world gone mad. And uh, let me just pump the, or prime the pump a little bit. How, how's your world? Does it ever get bad? Does it ever get mad? I mean, does it ever just get crazy? Ever get mad and bad at the same time? <sighs> Sometimes it gets mad and bad because of the people around you. Like they just come in, muddy the waters, throwing stuff. Just people bring stuff, you know, like, like a pig pen or whatever. Just everywhere they go, they bring a cloud, you know, everywhere. And sometimes it's your fault, isn't it? Sometimes you just, you just straight up train wreck this thing. Like what were you thinking? Here's the deal, though. How to react in a world gone bad, in a world gone mad. We just spent four weeks in our one year in the book of Ephesians. Four weeks of it was spent on putting armor on, okay, at the end of the book. Paul's like, oh, wait, wait, put some armor on, put it on good, devils, demons, spiritual hosts, cray-cray, world gone mad, world gone bad kind of stuff. And it happens in our lives all the time. And what I want to get into your heads for today is your reaction for the bad and for the mad that you're going to face today, okay, and tomorrow. As a matter of fact, did you know that in Genesis 3, like way, way back, the first book of the Bible, like the first created people, Adam and Eve, the very first marriage counseling session and the very first life coaching session were simultaneous in Genesis 3, and God looked at Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, like it's still a brand new earth. How'd you wreck it so fast, you know? And he looked at him and said, guys, it's going to be mad. It's going to go crazy. It's going to be bad. It's going to be, look at how he counsels them. It's going to be tough. So I'm going to, in Genesis 3.15, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to take care of it. He's going to pay for your sins, and he's going to fight for your battles. But he warns them. In the first marriage counseling, he looks at him, he's like, ooh, that's going to be hard. And he looks at Eve, the woman, he's like, oh, man, this is going to be hard. It's going to be tough. He doesn't give them a sugar-coated, fake, false message of serendipity and pie in the sky and happy, sappy, clappy stuff. Instead, he says, oh, and, and, and if you read the book, Genesis 3 leads to Genesis 4. Math majors, correct me if I'm wrong. And in Genesis 4, Cain and Abel are jealous of one another. That doesn't sound too cool. So jealous are they of one another that Cain kills Abel for doing something good. I mean, the whole thing becomes murderous and <laughs> murder. And the next chapter, in chapter 5, leads to Crazyville. Chapter 6, God pulls Noah aside and says, want to hit reboot? You know, we're going to start over and flood the earth. And it just, whoa, it goes mad and bad fast. So I want to teach to you out of the book of Acts a message that will help you on how to react in a world gone mad. But I have one more piece of family business to bring to the conversation today. And you're going to need your seatbelt and you're going to need to put your seats in their upright position and your tray tables away. We've been talking about the armor for the last couple of weeks. You might want to put some on. <laughs> That's a battle cry right there. I'm going to start with a verse, and this, this announcement is so important that I actually wrote it down. You guys got your helmets on? The verse says this. It's Jesus, John 16, 33. He says, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. 
And Jesus Christ, as he leads his men to the cross that he would die on, looks in their eyes and says, guys, I just spoke to you everything. So you would have peace. And you can imagine them say, oh, thank you. I love peace. Next words, you're going to have trials. It's going to get crazy. It's going to go mad. It's going to be bad. But I've still given to you peace. And, and a, a, a quantifiable thinker would say, which one is it? Peace or problems? And what if the Lord says, yes? Yes. That's right. Peace in your problems. Problems that you'll need my peace for. And it was just hours later that Jesus would die on the cross. You know the story. John 16 leads to John 17, the, the prayer. And John 18, the arrest. And John 19 and 20, the crucifixion. And John 21, the resurrection and restoration. It's just beautiful. And you know that as Jesus said these words hours later, he knew what was going to happen. And the disciples, upon receiving this command, peace I give to you. In the world, though, you're going to have tribulation. Did you know that when Jesus died on the cross, when he was hanging there, they didn't look to each other and said, hey, remember he said to be at peace. What are you crying for? He just said to be at peace. He's got a plan. This is okay. Nobody had that thought going through their minds. This was the worst. He said to be at peace, but he just died. He was our hope. This is the worst. You ever been there before where you can't see beyond your situation? It's the worst. There is no moving past this. There is no redemption in this. This is bad. And God says, wait. Hold on. Crying is fine. Being real is fine. You guys love going to a real church? You go to a real church. It's a real church. The real Jesus and the real gospel. So I start with that verse. Now I'll read. Two weeks ago, on Tuesday, November 8th, Pastor Matt Horner asked me to meet him at Starbucks here in town. We sat down to talk, and Matt informed me that his wife of 16 years, Jenna Horner, had served in divorce papers. We both cried. Matt and Jenna have been working on saving their marriage for some time now. They've sought both Christian and secular counseling and have been unable to find healing. The misunderstandings, wounds, and hurts that go along with marriage have become unbearable and unmovable for Jenna, and she isn't willing to reconcile. Jesus said in Mark 10, that the only reason people get divorced is because they have hard hearts. That's it. A hard heart. A broken heart. Now, how do you get a hard heart? There's a million different ways. And we're not here to decide who's right and who's wrong. But I can say this with confidence. After much talking and praying with our leadership team here at South Beach Church, as well as other sister churches that love and support us, We've deemed this divorce to be without biblical grounds, and Matt has expressed that it is absolutely not his wish for this. But Jenna is unable to move forward in their marriage and has decided to end it. In processing this with Matt, the elders have decided to relieve Matt of his pastoral duties at this time. While, it, while he takes the time to heal, process, and eventually get back to full momentum. How long this will take and what the course of healing will actually look like or produce are left to be determined. As a family of God in a sinful world, in Christ's love, we are standing by Matt, Jenna, and their four children. They all need our love, empathy, support, and prayers. When the enemy comes in and damages hearts, the temptation is to join in the frenzy and find someone to blame or hold accountable. That's God's job. Our job is to be the grace of Jesus to a sinful and fallen world. How does this look in moving forward? Matt will be around, to say the least. 
He's very important and needed here at South Beach Church and in our community, and we don't believe he is done by any means. While his pastoral leadership and responsibilities will be relieved, he is still our brother and friend. If you call him, he'll probably answer. If you text him, he'll text you back. If you come to church this week or on Wednesday for the feast, you'll see him here serving and working. I would ask that you keep his four kids in your prayers and in your hearts. I would ask that you take it upon yourself to ensure that their memory of this season and their lives is one of great grace and love from their church. I'd also ask that you pray for Jenna to be set free from her hurts and her pain, for her to be healed. If you know Jenna and the Lord should direct you, I would ask you to reach out to her in the way that God would guide you to, to offer support and direction in the time of pain and confusion. We are a real church with real people who believe in a real Jesus. The gospel is real. Jesus is real. God's plans are not like ours. Sometimes God allows things to die in order to bring life from them. I would ask you all to take this news and grow from it, to shore up your own marriages and, and repent of your hard hearts or your unresolved hurts, to look to Jesus in these difficult days, to keep the peace, to not gossip or backbite, to grow closer to God, more confident and more bold in who Jesus is. And it is with great difficulty that we move forward together in unity for Jesus' sake. Would you bow your head and pray with me? Father, we bring ourselves into your presence. And with us in our hearts, we bring Matt and Jenna and their four kids into your presence. And we just, we run to you. And to be honest, Lord, in your presence is still fullness of joy. There is peace available in the storm, in the carnage, in the wreckage, in the attack, in the onslaught, in the pain. There's still peace available. We, we trust you, Lord, and we, we seek you. And we do ask, though, Lord, for your heart and your presence and your healing, Lord, to be Matt's and to be Jenna's, Lord, and to be their kids in Jesus' name. Even right now, just bless them, Lord. They need your presence and blessing just as bad as we do, Lord. They're, and they're just as eligible for it as we are by grace. By grace, Lord, may they feel and sense your grace. And grace changes all things. Grace, Lord, teaches us to deny our flesh and to say no to worldly ways. Grace changes everything. May they receive it from you. It's already there. They already have. May they also, Lord, even this day and this week, receive grace from this church. May we be the first to cover, the first, Lord, to care, the first, Lord, to pray for. And we just bring it to you, Lord. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I pray for my friends that are here, for the marriages that are represented in this church, for those watching online, for those listening, Lord. I pray for a wake-up call. I truly do for the single people, too, for anybody who's messing with stuff. Anybody at all, just deal with it. May we, Lord, respond, Lord, to an attack with fruit and faithfulness and righteousness and joy and peace and love and beauty and all the stuff that comes, Lord, from being squashed by the devil yet redeemed by Christ. May it be true in our church, too. May husbands and wives come together, Lord, in truth and authenticity. May there be transparency. May there be humility. May there also be confidence, Lord. May all these things be ours. We just, I don't like getting woke up sometimes. But, Lord, I do want to be awake. And when we get woke up through something like this, Lord, it hurts. And so we come to you and ask, Lord, that we would be awake in the fight, ready to go. 
We love you very much. We, we look to you. Lord, you are the God of today. You're the God of yesterday. You're the God of tomorrow. And there's not one thing we can do today to decrease your glory, to decrease your power, to threaten your throne. There's not one thing we can do to cause you, Lord, to quiver, cause you to back down, cause you to rebudget and rethink this whole thing. Nothing we can do, Lord, can separate us from the love of God. And so we look to you as our bold lion. We trust you. And I do pray for a great countenance to be upon this church, brothers and sisters, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Any, any boogers? <laughs> real, real church, welcome, welcome. You know those real friends that tell you, dude, your fly's down. Like, you know, that's a real friend. Got something going on. And here we are. You should be in Acts chapter 4. And this, this message out of Acts chapter 4 is entitled, How to React in a World Gone Bad. In a World Gone Mad. Things don't go right. Every single one of us has a story, both being lived in and yet to be determined of cray-cray in your future. Stuff that's going to be out of your control. How are you going to react? What are you going to do when things get nutty? Because this isn't the first time in the first announcement we've seen like this. Things don't always go the way we plan. And when life gets confusing, what's our response what do we do? And so today, we're going to look at what the first church, the early church did when times got tough, when things were confusing, when things went bad and got mad. So open up your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 23. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've been wanting to teach this portion of Scripture for the last three weeks. Somewhere in the book of Ephesians, I want to just slam dunk this in there, but there was never any time. <laughs> this book. Thank you. I appreciate that. Because we have just recently even seen in our country that there's some cracks in the surface, isn't there? There's some craziness just right there. Some division amongst our countrymen and all the rest. I don't have any answers for that. Okay, That's just nuts. We live in a nutty time. But the reaction that we have when things don't go our way, whether it's on a massive scale or a miniature one, okay, whether you're dealing with a disease or a divorce or destruction or distraction, or maybe it's just as simple as decaf, you know? Whatever, whatever you're dealing with, right? Life gets you. You wake up and it's like, oh, all right, it's a war. How, I'm going to give you four, four responses today, four things to do, whether it's huge and off the charts or whether it's just your daily grind, your next busy cycle. And if you do these things, if it's big or if it's not big, these will keep you right where God wants you in the midst of your storm. Life's bad, okay? It's, as a matter of fact, I've said this before, and I've taught it from here. A lot of you know it. I've actually seen people post it and quote it, and it blesses my heart. I've heard, I heard it from somebody else and shared it with you. If you remember, memorize this little tagline, it will save you from so much disappointment and hurt. You ready for it? Here it is, okay? Life is tough, and God is good. Don't confuse the two. Okay, you got to put that last part on there. Okay? And I'm not a weirdo that thinks you know, life's tough all the time, okay? and I hate life. You guys know me better than that. I love life. I seize the day. I, I get the most out of life. I have a good time. Okay? But life is tough, and God is good. 
all the time. Don't confuse the two. And once you start to live your life, say, man, life is so good. It's all here. It's about my relationships, and it's about my investments, and it's about my experience here. It's all here. You're just like a nanosecond away from huge disappointment, okay? Just like a few steps away from a big old splat in the face. Am I right or am I right? Because life is tough. And in the midst of your tough life, one thing never changes. God is good, no matter what. And the goodness of God will hold you and will keep you and will guard you and it will guide you through all things. And so I need you to understand this. Look at verse 23. I'm just going to read it as we go. It says this, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. Stop right there, eyes up here. It says, And being let go, they went to their own companions. What are they being let go from? If you don't know the story behind Acts chapter 4, verse 23, they had recently just gotten arrested okay, for healing healing a lame man in Jesus' name, okay? Sounds like they probably could have gotten a ward for that instead of arrested. Have you ever heard the term before, no good deed goes unpunished? Like, I just try and do good. I try and give to this organization and they get weird. Or I try and help this person and they bite me on the hand or I've done lots of... And it, maybe you're here today and you're like, look, I'm just trying to be a Christian. I'm trying to stop with the insanity. I've stopped doing drugs and all this stuff, and I'm starting to come forward. I'm starting to do service things, and maybe that's, that's your story, and you just keep getting slammed. Like, life stuff is like, the closer you get to the front of the battle, the more shots are taken at you, just so you know. It has nothing to do necessarily with the stage or with what we do here. When you decide in your heart of hearts, I'm going to live for Jesus, okay? I'm going to go on record. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give. I'm going I'm to I'm pray. I'm going to act. The devil's like, really? Really? Starts firing decaf bullets at you, you know? Like, starts with that, you know, messing with your caffeine intake. And then it gets weird. Other things happen. All kinds of ways. The Bible called in the book of Ephesians, wiles of the devil, okay? Methods and different ways that he attacks you and attacks me. Here, though, they were kept in custody for doing something good. And they were asked specifically, don't preach and teach and heal in Jesus' name ever Again, and when you decide to live in Jesus' name, you're going to get shot at, okay? When it says being let go, you need to understand that when they decided to be Christians, they stepped into a whole different war zone. They stepped into a whole different category. They stepped into a whole different pressure point. What are you going to do about that? Now, my, the four things that they do are worth writing down or memorizing or coming back to the 6 p.m. service with a notebook and doing so or not. First thing they did, it says they went to their own companions. I'll read it again. And being let go, okay, they're under pressure. They were just told, if you preach in Jesus' name again, you're going to jail. It's now illegal in Jerusalem. The Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the pastors, the sin sniffers, the spiritual police had just outlawed Jesus Christ. And so they go, first thing they do is they go to their own companions and report everything they had done and said to them. And let me just make this point, because in your trials, you react, you do something, okay? You go, so when something big happens, you do something. When something small happens, you do something. What did they do? They went to the body. They went to believers. They went to their life group. They went to their community group. They went to their accountability partner. They went to their sponsor. They went to their club. They went to their church. They went to their pastor. They went to their friend. They went to their spouse. They went to their kids. They, they went to somebody healthy that loves the same God they do. Now, isn't that admirable? Isn't that awesome? When I go through hard times, I go to Starbucks, okay? Right? I mean, what do you do? You, we all have these coping me mechanisms. What do I, you know, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to go get a workout, and that's what I need to do. And there's some things that are justifiable. I understand that. But if your bottom line foundation is when you get slammed or slam dunked, 
I want to ask you this question. Where do you do? Where do you go? The Bible actually instructs us, knowing our weakness. The Bible says, as the days get darker, don't fellowship less, fellowship more. That's what it says. Don't forsake the gathering. The Bible actually says, as things get nuttier and crazier and more pressure, careful, the temptation is going to be to separate and to be autonomous and to individualize and to go away. Don't do that. Instead, find a life group. Did you know that our life groups are in the back there? And if you go to a life group, you've probably seen this. And if you don't, you should know this. Our life group's primary purpose, the way we present them, is not so you would have people to pray with or you would study the Bible more or sing worship songs or take communion. All of that happens. Did you know the primary purpose for our life groups is to build relationships, real people, in Christ's name? And then when you build a relationship with somebody in Christ's name, guess what you do? You study the Bible, you pray, you sing songs and take communion. It all just happens naturally, but you have a person. Somebody you can go to. Somebody you can ask for help. I, I just, I need some, some of you are sitting here today saying, man, I wish I had somebody ask for help. And I understand. I get it. In, in 2017, if I was going to encourage you to do anything, it would be find somebody to ask for help. Find somebody. Find one or two, maybe three, probably one or two people that you decide, I'm going to grow so close to this person. I'm going to share so much with this person that if they wanted to, they could press charges. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like. Not, two, not four people, that's, you know, the circle gets too big. I got problems. Does anyone know them? No, I'm just, I'm going to work it out. Just me, myself, and I, we got, oh, really? That sounds satanic. Cool, you got all kinds of problems, secret sins, secret depression, secret disaster, secret division. Yep, I got my one more. Figure it out, though. Got myself this far, I can get myself further. Really, really, it's, 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 a, it's a false dichotomy. Matter of fact, when I got married uh, 15 years ago, uh, I was married on June um, 9th, 2001, on a Saturday. I remember I was there. And uh, thank you, thank you. Yep, yep, I did that on purpose. And I, and I was married, and, and there was a guy at our wedding, and his name's Dave Kastendick, and he had this camcorder, and he was going around filming people saying, say something to Luke and Crystal, they're on their honeymoon. And, and we got the video later and watched it after our honeymoon, and everyone's like, yeah, God bless you guys, and woo, and all this stuff. And then he got to Jeremy Haskell, my roommate at the time, Pastor Jeremy Haskell, and he got to Jeremy's like, say something to Luke and Crystal. And Jeremy looked at the camera and said, ask for help. <laughs> and that, it was like, oh, that's probably not like a celebration. Okay, okay, ask for help. You know, we'll keep that in there. You know, and Jeremy had just gotten married a year prior, you know, and he, he kind of knew, and he's so good, and ask for help. Don't go it alone. Don't do this by yourself. And I would just, let me ask you a few questions. Where's, where's your, your life group? Where do they meet? Is it, is it you know, at, at Moby Dick's, you know, and, or, or, or somewhere else? Or, you know, maybe, maybe you're like, you know what? I'm super stressed out. I'm super messed up, man. I think I'll go find answers on Facebook. That's where I found the problem, you know. Maybe I'll go on Facebook. Like, you react somehow, so do I. You might even say, well, I've got accountability partners. They help me out. What are their names? Uh, Jack Daniels and uh, Jose Cuervo. They're, they're good to me. You know? No. <sighs> These guys in this story, when things got mad and things went bad, went to their own. They went to their own. Easier said than done. There's some recluse person here. There's some introvert person here sitting right now. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I get it. Like even being here is the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. You know, there's too many people. I get it. And I'm not asking you to be the happiest person or the class clown or, you know, whatever. <sighs> but you can't do this alone. You absolutely can't do it alone. As a matter of fact, last night when we gathered here at the church and going through some of the situation we're in, and I was with the elders. We were upstairs in that room. Uh, not to the wee hours. It did go longer. But I, I found myself at one point looking at these men. 
and we were talking. Pastor Matt was there, and, you know, we'd all counsel and cried and just coming through. And we were men, just hang, be, we, we, none of us are superstars. We're all just men, just committed to the cause. And I looked at these guys, and I was like, I love these guys. I love these guys. I love them in my life. I can't do this without these guys. And they were there that, that night, on a Saturday night from late. And I would just say, in 2017, find some guys, find some gals that you're going to stop just pretending to be all right when you're not. How, it's so easy to pretend you're all right when you're not. Find somebody that you can, when they say, how you doing, say, not good. Can we talk? Oh, yeah. Things just got real. Yes. Okay, you can't do that with everybody. I get it. But there's got to be somebody in your life. These guys went to their own. Okay, when they went to their own, that's the first step. If you want to react in a world gone, what did Adam and Eve do in the world gone bad and mad? Took off and hid. Remember? That's your, that's your DNA right inside. Okay, when things get weird for you, you don't want anybody to know, you're going to actually find a leaf and cover it. Like, let's just cover this up. And God's like, you think so? <laughs> Anyways. Don't cover it up. Well, cover it up, but... Moving on. <laughs> Not only did they run to their own, okay, they found solace and comfort in their companions. Look at what they did. It says, so when they heard, verse 24, when they heard that, what? It's illegal to be a Christian. What are we going to do? When they heard about the oppression, the situation, the disaster, the disease, the divorce, the destruction, when they heard about it, they raised their voice to God with one accord. And they said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea, and all that is in them. Then they go on to say that, but they, when you, stop right there, eyes up here. They begin their prayer by focusing on the bigness of God. Do you ever begin your day or your prayer focusing on the bigness of God rather than the bigness of your problems? Or do you, like most of us, focus on the bigness of your problems? Pull out your calendar, oh my gosh, I can't believe it's Monday, this is so crazy, and your problems are so big and so real, and your destruction, your, your disaster, your, your decaf, whatever's happening to you, all these things are against you, ah! They focused before on the bigness of God. And by doing so, listen, please, Christian, when you, if you choose, men and women, if you choose to stop today in the midst of your stuff, I don't even know your stuff, you know some of ours now, I don't know your stuff, but if you stop and look at the bigness of God, I guarantee you a smile will crack upon your face in the midst of whatever the doctor just told you, in the midst of whatever was just served, in the midst. You'll look, if you look, if you choose to look at God, you can't help but smile. My favorite story is when David showed up to the battle and saw the Philistine giant yelling at the children of Israel. And as soon as he showed up, he acted like this. He's like, Remember David, the little, you know, sheep boy, dances with sheep, you know, he's a farmer, you know, showed up and he saw this battle scene and he was happy. And his brother's like, what's your problem? He says, I got here in time for the battle. Who's going to take out the giant? David's perspective on the whole situation had a big God involved. Instead of telling your God how big your problems are, tell your problems how big your God is. If you choose to tell your problems how big your God is, I guarantee you, you like David will show up and your problem will be right there yelling at you. Your problem's not going to go away. You're in a fallen world, okay? The first marriage counseling session from God was rough sledding, okay? I'll send Jesus. Not even here's how you do it so you don't need Jesus. No, you're going to need Jesus no matter what. There's going to be battles. David, do you know why David smiled when he saw the giant? 
because Dave and his brothers were mad at him. What are you smiling about? He's like, well, guys, one time I was in the woods and I got attacked by a bear. Like, ah, a bear. Okay, I didn't have a pistol. I had nothing. Guess what? God gave me the strength to overcome. I won. It was crazy. Okay, here's a picture. And he said, another time I was in the woods and I got attacked by a lion. Guess what? God came through. It was nuts. So here I am now, another giant. I'm like, cool. God, if God can do that, if God is big, when they prayed, they decided to focus on the bigness of God. God, did you know they prayed that? God, you are the one who made the heavens and the earth and the sea. And they just zoom out and say, if our God can make all of this, then he can help clean up this mess that we have made. Do you know how big the heavens are? You guys ever seen the stars at night? Like they're pretty cool. Like they're all right. You know, they're out there. God put them so far away from us that even if we wanted to touch them, we can't. Like I want to touch one. He's like, no. No, just look at him. Well, that's not very fair. Yeah, you weren't there on the committee. <laughs> what are they there for? They're there so you can go out and smile at how big your God is. Psalm 19 says that heavens declare the glory of God. He said, I'm going to make so many stars and so big and so far and so reaching just to mess with you. I'm going to put them there. You see them every night, but you'll never touch them because that's how big I am. I need you never to forget that in your storm. Okay, you ever seen a star in the middle of the day? It's called the sun. We got one. Okay, it's a star. <laughs> Trick question, front row. Yeah. We got a star. Did you know that our star is 93 million miles away? Okay, in the next star, if you keep going past our star, if you're able to make it past our star, good luck. If you made it past our star, it would take eight minutes to get to our star at the speed of light. If you continue at the speed of light to the next star, it would take four and a half years. Okay, four and a half more years, you're not going to pass nothing. Okay, four and a half years at the same speed. It took you eight minutes to get to the sun. It'll take you 4.3 years to get to the next star. They call it Alpha Centurion, correct me if I'm wrong, science students. I use Wikipedia. Anyways, so you get to the start. Here's, here's the deal, the bigness of our God. If the earth were an apple seed and it were in the back sound booth, and the sun, 93 million miles away, were a basketball, and it would be on the stage here, that would be the distance from the earth to the sun, 90 feet in length, if the earth were an apple seed. If you were to continue towards our next nearest star, which by the way glows at 150% of the sun's illumination, so it's twice as strong as our sun, that far away. If you were to travel from the back of the auditorium to the stage here, 90 feet, and then want to achieve the next star, you would have to travel 6,000 miles east to get to the next star on the same graph and scale. Just the next star. There are so many stars, there's not even a number for the amount of stars that exist. Those are just two. God made them in such a way, and he declares, I am so big because your problems are going to get your attention. They're going to destroy you when you pray. How do you react in a world gone bad? Number one, go to your people. Find somebody. Don't go it alone. Don't just internalize it and keep it in. Secondly, go to God who is so big that he made all of the heavens. Not just the heavens, but the earth. You know God made the earth, right? Okay, again, when I moved here, we built a house in Agate Beach. It was our first house we ever owned, okay? And we built the house. If you ever owned a home versus renting a home, it's a different experience. You actually get to choose the paint colors on the inside, you know? So I was like, honey, what color should we paint stuff? Eleven colors she chose for our, for our interior rooms. Like, this one's this color and this one's that. I'm like, what? You know, how about white? Why? You know, why? You know, anyways, creativity. You might think you're creative and have some flair. Did you know that when God was making apples, he made Granny Smiths and he made red apples and he made the, the Galas or Gaias or whatever you call it, you know, the Fijis? Did you know that there's 7,500 different types of apples that God designed and made? 
okay? We sell like nine at Fred Meyer's. Like, we got nine of them, I got nine of them, you know? Seven, almost 8,000. Did you know that when God was making dragonflies, he decided not to make two or three, but he made 5,000 different species of dragonflies? Like, just, I'm just going to mess with you guys a little bit. Just like, make a little flare here and there. 5,000 different types of ladybugs exist on planet Earth, okay? I'm like, uh, wait, there's red ones, and what else is there, you know? Lady, 5,000. Did you know there's over 350,000 different, 350, different types of beetles on the, on the Earth? God just made beetles. God loves beetles for some reason. He just loves 350,000 of them. Like, I'm thinking stink bugs and black beetles, and like, well, I got us too, you know? God is so creative. And you and I, we're like, uh, I'm running out of solution. I don't. Did you know God is so, not just creative, he's mysterious. Did you know that God, when he made leeches, and leeches, man, don't they just suck? It's funny. You'll, you'll, if you didn't get it, you'll get it at lunch. It'll come up. The, leeches have 32 brains. Like, if I was making leeches, that wouldn't have been what I came up with, you know? Like, let's get them 32 brains, you know? What for? It's crazy stuff that God makes in order that the Bible says, Psalm 19, the heavens declare the firmament of God. The handiwork shows his, the, the firmament shows his handiwork, and day in to day utter speech. All the stuff God has made for his glory. So you and I sit here and trip out on how big he is. Did you know that for every one person, there is one million ants on the face of the earth? Okay, so for eight billion people, eight billion times one million is a big number. It's a lot of ants just doing stuff, okay? Ants don't have lungs and ants don't sleep. Talk about creepy little guys, you know what I'm saying? Like just working all night long. Ugh. They made the Bible too, like super faithful is the ant. And God made all this stuff, not just the heavens, which are big. Okay, I just gave you one example of, of two stars, okay? But in the, in the earth, the earth is so, I got more, more stats, I got to just keep to myself, I got to keep going. But the sea, they, they, they reference this, please get this, this is so practical. Their problems are big, you can't preach in Jesus anymore. Let's look to God, let's see what God does. This is Acts chapter 4, did you know the book of Acts continues until today? They prayed a prayer that worked so well that when they banned Christ, Christ exploded on the surface. You couldn't stop it. You can't stop God's goodness, you can't stop God's plan. He will not be stopped by an announcement at a church like ours today. He will not. He's, he is so good to redeem the things that are bad. And so they look to their God, the God of heaven, the God of earth, and the God of the sea. Did you know how big the sea is? We're lucky to be here on the ocean. There's so much going on. If you've ever been deep sea fishing, you put your net in, you pull it up, you go, ah, put it back. You know, what is this thing? And so much comes out. And you go to the Bering Sea or Alaska, and you're catching stuff like, what is this? And so much fish. I was having lunch with Simon Byrne the other day, and he said there's so, he's been fishing there for years and years and years. He said there's so much fish, so much life in the, in the ocean, in the sea. Did you know that when a blue whale is born, Okay, when the baby comes out, a bouncing baby whale, okay, it weighs three tons, 6,000 pounds, like, that's a big one, got a big one here, you know, 6,000 pounds. And did you know that they're mammals, right? Okay, so a mom, a mama whale nurses her baby whale in the ocean. Okay, I don't know if they have a nursing room for this or where, I'm freaking out here, this is crazy. And this baby whale grows at 200 pounds per day for the first year. Hey, you think you have like a weight problem in the Thanksgiving holiday season? Like, put on 10 pounds, whoops, you know? This whale is drinking mom's milk 200 pounds a day. When a blue whale is full grown, God's creation, 
okay? Uh, uh, the tongue of this blue whale weighs the same as an elephant, a full-grown elephant, or the equivalent of 40 grown men. Just the tongue. This thing grows so big and so massive, and after its full-grown birth, all it eats is like vegetables. It's like a plankton guy, you know, maybe those little Creole things. It just sucks in all day long. God just made it. Just So we would look at it and say, that's crazy. That's crazy. All this stuff that God has made, don't ever think that he made it arbitrarily. The stars, the moon, the sun, the seasons. Even the seasons, how the earth is tilted on its axis and rotates from winter to fall or winter to spring. I guess we get winter and fall and, and on the coast. It goes winter to fall and then winter and fall and winter and fall. Yeah, so I guess that was accurate. You know? But in normal you know, regions, it goes through all the seasons. It's perfect. The ecosystem of the ocean and the tides coming and going like a washing machine with the salt and the agitation and the sand and the roughage and the fish and the crabs eating all the stuff and decomposition. The whole thing's brilliant. So when you have your problem, when you bounce that check, oh no, how do we run out of money? When the doctor calls, when you get the papers, when your kid goes bonkers. When something goes crazy, you can react by going to your own people, going to your prayer partners, going to your accountability partners, humbling yourself saying, uh, problem, not good. I'm not good. And that if you have those guys and gals that love you, they'll be so blessed by you when you say that to them. If you've ever called upon a brother or sister and said, I'm actually not good right now, oh, the, the amount of grace that floods those conversations, the amount of realness it's so fun to give knuckles and fist bumps to people and just be happy and, you know, distant and shallow and impartial and all the rest. That's easy, okay? But when you get real with somebody, grace flows like rain and God's there and things are healed when you go to your own and when you take it to a big God. The next thing they do, not only are they tripping out on how big God is so they would get confidence in their situation like David and the giant, look at verse 25. They now quote scripture. They say, they're praying this prayer, and they quote Psalm 2. Who by the mouth of your servant David you have said, why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things and the kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly, they recollect, against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, they were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done stop right there as up here not only do they go to their own not only do they go to their god but they go to their word and when they go to the word and you can be writing this stuff down because if you do this you won't be surprised when life gets tough if you know that the bible has taught you life's going to be tough so here they are christ has just been killed crucified and just been banned and outlawed so they're like whoa did you remember what it says in psalm 2 you remember that? Remember Psalm 2? And it comes to them. Psalm 2 said it would happen. And they're not even scandalized by it. They're like, it said it was right there. I was reading Psalm 11 one morning, about 3 or 4 in the morning. I was reading Psalm 11. I was really perplexed, stressed out, long, long time ago. I don't get perplexed or stressed out anymore. <laughs> and I was reading Psalm 11. And the Bible says in Psalm 11, I'll paraphrase, that God is in heaven and he's testing the righteousness and the righteous men and women. He's testing us. And I thought to myself, oh, I said, wait, you're testing me? This is a test? My hard situation right now, my difficult days, my pressure is a test? Oh, it changed everything. Oh, if it's a test, I'm gonna treat it like a test. I'm gonna pass this test so the test will pass. I'm gonna deal, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna man up. Instead of just thinking like I was getting 
disciplined or things are out of control or this person's horrible or I'm horrible or this is horrible. No. It's a, and when you know what the word says, when you got it, you got the book and you understand that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, you know that even though this is not good, this isolated thing, God's going to work this together for good. And you can be a man or a woman of God and say, hey, it's all right. It's all right, okay, all in. Put your hands in, all in. It's all good, all good, all good on three. One, two, three, all good. You know, you know what the book says. These guys went to their own, they went to their God, and they went to the word, and lastly, they close in prayer. And I'm gonna read these last verses, and I want you to see their prayer. Because how many of you guys hear like prayer, and you're like, yeah, prayer, duh, prayer. You gotta pray for it, you gotta pray for it. You want prayer, you gotta pray for it. Listen to their prayer, though. I'm gonna tell you what they pray, then I'm gonna read you what they pray, then I'm gonna preach to you what they pray. You ready? They don't pray for their situation to go away. They don't pray for legislation to change. They don't pray for Washington, D.C. They don't pray for new lawmakers. They don't pray for, pray for a Republican president. They don't, they don't pray for anything like that. They don't pray for lighter days and for easier circumstances. Instead, instead of praying for a lighter burden, they pray for stronger shoulders. Do you understand that? They realize this is not going to end well. Because why? Well, we, Genesis 3, it's going to go bad and it's all mad. This is a war. Why is there armor? It's a war. It's not going to be right until Jesus returns. So their prayer is, Lord, in the meantime, would you get the glory from my story? Come hell or high water. As long as God can get the glory from my story, I'm good to go. As long as God can use me, use us to perform his works, his will, his power, his healings, if he can do that, let's do it, Lord. Let's do it. And you know that these men and women would be killed for their faith. They could have prayed, Lord, change the law. Put us in charge. Protect us from death. No more trials. No more papers. No more suffering. Lord, you said you'd be nice to us. No. Listen to me right now. They realized that their lives were not about them. If you don't realize your life's not about you, you're living for your own glory and your own comfort. It's real easy to do. This morning after Larry passed me, I kept coming to church and walked, went over the bridge. And I began to apologize to the Lord. I repented. I said, Lord, a lot of what I do, I run hard in the pain. I do a lot of stuff. I'm, I'm excited. I do stuff. But I have to admit, it, not all of it's for your glory. Not, it's, some of it's for my glory. I, I, I can share the light with you pretty easy. It's, it's, I, I, and not all of it's, Lord, for, for others' benefit. Some of it's for my own comfort. I, I do what I do and I, I repent. I said, Lord, I want to I be used for your glory and not my own glory and for your kingdom and not my own comfort. And I want to do everything I'm doing right now, but I want to do it with the right motive. I don't want the things around me to change. You might, and I understand. They could have prayed for things to change, but instead they changed their perspective and said, in the midst of my battle, yeah, Lord, let me do what I do for the glory of God. As a matter of fact, let me read it to you, and that'll be the last of our time in the book before we worship. Verse 29 says, now, Lord, look on their threats, okay, we're in trouble, and do what? And grant to your servants that with all boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And listen, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. <sighs> Nothing around them changed. Nothing around them. As a matter of fact, it would get worse. In the next chapter, there would be deceit and guile in the church. Two people would die. Okay, Chapter 5, there's a, a, a subtraction. Then there's a multiplication. It gets crazy. Their prayer, though, is for themselves. Lord, 
whatever comes my way, whatever my lot, may you use it for your glory. My marriage, my singleness, my parenting, my childlessness, my employment, my unemployment, my poverty, my richness. May it all be, I don't care. How many of you guys are praying against all those things in your life? I don't want to be married anymore. I don't want to be single anymore. I don't want to have kids anymore. I don't, I don't want to not have kids anymore. You know, I don't want to have this. What if you didn't pray against your stuff, but instead you looked how big your God is and said, let's do this. Let's do this. I, I'm, just, I can't get, I'm not getting out of this thing. Okay? I'm going to run hard. You're going to run hard. So would you bow your, your knee and would you, would, you, would you humble yourself and say, Lord, extend your hand to our situation so signs and wonders are done for your glory. So, so your name is elevated, even in the midst of pain, even in the midst of stuff. These four things they did. And if you do these four things today, just practice today on the little stuff, okay? Somebody pulls out in front of you, okay? You know, just re, re, put, put all this stuff, rehearse all this stuff. No, number one, the, the first point. I forgot the first point. What did I forget the first point here? It's just, it's, they went to their own. So when somebody pulls out in front of you, text me, let me know. When, when something bad happens today, I dare you to not internalize it. I dare you, if you have a spouse, if you have a friend, if you have an accountability partner, to ask, to invite them into your stuff. Hey, would you pray for me? I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of overwhelmed. I'm like a little depre depressed today. I don't need to explain myself. I'm just, I'm just overwhelmed. Would you pray for me? Yeah, thanks for being honest. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Where your normal reaction is to cover it, just put a leaf over it machismo through it and I'm fine I'm fine when you're not we would do so better if we would just be honest with each other Jen Metcalf the other day just text me pray for me should I pray for appreciate that honesty pray for me pray, pray for the people pray for the brethren we love each other help each other out it's fun to go on Facebook with this you know you know I'm good at you know it's fun but it's also fun to be honest Okay, I dare you to do it, 2017. And look how big your God is. Take it to the Lord. And when you take your little stuff to the Lord, I'm not trying to be mean, because your stuff's for real. It's heavy duty. It's your, it's, your, it's your bags. It's all you got. Oh, this is heavy stuff. When you start to take it to the Lord, you're like, whoa. <laughs> the Lord made all this. And you begin to look around, and you go on Wikipedia and find out what the Lord made, or National Geographic. You're like, the Lord made all this. Lord, can you handle my bags? He's like, Maybe. The Lord says, yeah, I can handle your bags. I can handle your bags, okay? And then you find a verse. You go to the word. What does the word say about your life? Are you surprised by disappointment and disaster and trial? What book did you read to lead you to be disappointed? What best-selling author right now who told you he's going to have your best life now has led you to disappointment you're in? Read this book, and you'll find it littered with and tattered with the truth. It's going to be tough. From Genesis to Revelation until Jesus Christ comes back and is crowned king. It's going to be nuts, okay? Inequality, injustice, craziness. It's part of our plight because we're in a cursed world until Jesus comes and fully redeems it. <sighs> Lastly, this is so fun. I'm going to have the worship team come up. They realized there was more at stake, more More than meets the eye. It wasn't about them. It was about God's glory. Last night we sat up in that room. And at the end of our, our time, we decided as a, as a leadership team 
that we were going to fully trust that no matter what, no matter, we decided to, we just decided to trust that God is going to be faithful. We don't know the future. We don't know how it's all going to unfold or what it's going to mean or what it's going to look like when all the cards fall down. We don't know. Guess what? You don't know anything. Just so you know, you don't know anything. All you can do right now is trust. I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm tr- I'm not, and it's not just a Hallmark card statement. Trust the Lord. I'm truly going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, and when you trust the Lord, you know, what, you, know what, you know what happens to your face? Okay? A smile breaks out. When you truly trust the Lord, you're like, this is, this is crazy. My life's crazy. I'm laying over my head. Is your God, is your God big or did he just shrink? Did, did, did your situation knock God off the throne? I'm just curious. No. No, it didn't. Okay, good. You used to smile a little bigger then. God has got you. Find a verse, get in the book, and then surrender your whole situation for the glory of God. Don't strive for your own comfort and your own glory anymore. It is not worth it. It is fleeting. You, you, you are God's poema, his workmanship. That's what he says. His painting, his canvas, his backdrop, his display on earth. Let go and let God. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, in Jesus' name, we worship you by doing just that in its simplest form. We let go and we give it to you. And we in this house, Lord, read your word in the midst of this battle. And we say, you're good and you're God. You said it. We believe it. That settles it. It's the truth. It's the truth whether we still find ourselves dealing with cancer, dealing with divorce, or dealing with distance. Whatever it is we're dealing with, you are still God. You are still good. And we ask in Jesus' name you would use our circumstances and our platform for your glory that signs and wonders would be performed and people would come to know you, Jesus, through our lives, even if they're under attack, no matter what. Good and bad and ugly, Lord, may you redeem it all. May you make us, Lord, wise as serpents and gentle as doves. May you make us those who know Jesus, who walk like Jesus, who are humble. During this Thanksgiving season, may we all have a degree of humility and maturity and grace and peace. Lord, I pray for this group here as we come to the table that there would be healing even in marriages here now. In Jesus' name, heal relationships, hardened hearts, Lord, hurts, may they be healed. Singles and marrieds, Lord, old and young, all of us on our journey, heal us as we come to the table, as we look to the lamb that was slain, as we examine ourselves, as we proclaim your death until you return, as we trust in you for all things. Lord, we do what we do now in Jesus' name. Amen.